Hey, I'm Gabriel Goldfeder. I'm a Jewish life consultant, a.k.a. Rabbi. This is a tricky one, but I'm going to give it a try. Eliliut, which could mean either paganism or polytheism, according to its defenders, is Azizahi Bhavdatat Rishmeyachayim. It is strong in the emergence of life that is in it, and also the beauty, the yofi, and also Ashirut Hagvaniyut, the wealth of nuance and of a full spectrum of colors, meaning because there are an infinite number of centers and everything is allowed to flourish in its uniqueness unencumbered by some overarching principle that is supposed to give it its meaning and its nature. And this, according to its defenders, would make polytheism and paganism better than the unity of God or the divine unity, which which blurs everything. It makes everything into one color. And the wealth of life, the richness of life, is weakened. Of course, Rev. Cook thinks this is not true, but he also will use the sparks of this claim to tell us something of how Jewish thinking actually looks at the world. After acknowledging the destruction that has been wrought in the world based upon paganism and polytheism, which destroys life, he goes on to discuss the the claim of the wealth of colors and of shades and of details and of uniquenesses and of the emergence of all the different kinds of impressions that could be made on a person because of this incredible, varied, and multifarious world. And to do this, Rav Cook wants us to focus on what achdut, what unity, really means. And he tells us, the divine unity is far beyond the normal sense of unity that we use. And the truth is, he says, Divine unity is as far beyond normal unity as it is far beyond multiplicity. Just to restate that parenthetically, divine unity is equidistant from normal unity and from this thing called multiplicity. How are you going to do that, Rev. Cook? That's because it contains this wealth, this wealth of differentness, of variedness, of every person, place, and thing having its own unique meaning, all of that is contained within the divine unity. All that variety, all that multipleness is contained within the divine unity in a way that is even more glowing, infinitely more glowing than that which is contained within Eliliyut, within polytheism and within paganism, because in polytheism and in paganism, all those things are separate from each other. They are spread out and apart. But a unity 
that gives life to this multiplicity, which absorbs into itself this multiplicity and this variedness, which stands above and rises above all of reality, that kind of unity cannot diminish the impressions of and the experiences of life. Rather, it increases them. Through an influx of omits of courage and of power, and the greatness of this unity, the Toch Haribui, into this multiplicity. The Kol Echad, Haribui, Yeshbo Bracha shall Godo in Sof. And each one of the sparks within the Ribui, within the multiplicity, within the varied panoply of life, is blessed by the greatness of the infinite. So for Rav Kook, the divine unity based in the infinite allows each detail, each person, place, and thing within the entire spectrum of experience and of the world that we live in to be itself, to have its own power, to have its own meaning, to have its uniqueness. And each of them is also enhanced infinitely enhanced by being rooted in the infinite. The reason I think this piece is so important is because a person might conclude errantly that God makes the world less exciting and less fun. Seeing things through the lens of being created by God makes them less exciting. It makes them more square. It makes them into boring little puppets for some kind of ethical, insultingly reductionist didactical message. So when I'm taking a walk in the beautiful mountains of Colorado and I see beautiful flowers and I see the mountains and I see the stream and I see the fish, I don't want to think, you know, these are created by God and therefore, whatever my reductive therefore is, whatever way that my mind takes that piece of information and that makes my experience of everything that I'm seeing somehow less exciting and less alive. Rav Cook says, no, it should make your experience there more alive. The fact that those flowers and that stream and those mountains and those fish, the fact that those are created by God should shock you and blow your mind as you realize that they're not rooted simply in something finite, but rather that they are rooted in something infinite. And that should serve as a sort of invitation to a wild funhouse of experience. Given that this thing is created by the ultimate, ultimate mastermind, I wonder what's in it. I wonder what treasures and pleasures have been implanted and encoded into this particular thing that I'm looking at right now. But that seems to be the great blessing and unfortunately the great curse of religion and of religiosity is that it often feels reductive. It takes amazing, deep, life powerful moments and turns them into religious acts, not as a way of enhancing them, but as a way of diminishing them. Alas, Rob Cook seems to be aware that not everyone thinks this way. So it goes on to say, Arazut, the mystery, comes to complete the picture. And he comes to show that the beauty of Yefet, this is a reference to the three sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Yafet. Yafet, which means beauty, he is blessed by his father Noah with the words, Yafet, 
May God give beauty to Yafet. Vishkon Shame, and let Yafet dwell in the tents of shame, Noach's other son. And the Gemara Megillah comes to say that the beauty of Yafet is, is best understood in the context of the tent of shame, in the house of shame, shame being the great-grandfather, the ancestor of Avraham, and therefore the origin of monotheism. And the way that Rev. Cook explains that in other places is that the beauty and aestheticism, which is associated with Yafet and is most commonly specifically associated with Yavan, with Greece, which comes out of Yafet, the best way to contextualize that beauty is within the context of shame, of shemiut, of Semitism, of religiosity. And that always sounds like a real bummer because it sounds like Jewish art. And Jewish art oftentimes is not that impressive. And that is a shame, so to speak. So it is the job of this mystery to reopen that complexity and that richness, which really is inherent to the tent of shame, but has been lost along the way. But there are some people, says Rev. Cook, these zealots get up and say, this is not actually a part of our tradition. They might stop at that lower level of achdut, which feels reductive of the variety and multiplicity of the world that we live in, and say that that is what Judaism accomplishes. But Rav Cook insists that this mystery is an inherent element of Jewish perspective and approach to the world, and is absolutely necessary to align us with the proper understanding of unity, which goes beyond normal unity to the unity that includes all things in the world and points them toward the infinite.